As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. To me, cinema is magic. Everything that goes into making a film, you know, you don't think about that realizing that when you're watching a movie. And to me, the theater itself is sort of a magical place. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is definitely Milwaukee. Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. Movie Magic in Milwaukee. Now in its 11th year, the Milwaukee Film Festival is regarded as one of the best in the country, and the man that's run the show from day one is the artistic director and CEO for Milwaukee Film, Jonathan Jackson. We stopped by his office in the old Paps Brewery just a few days before the festival began to find out how they settle on the hundreds of films in the lineup and ensure that there is indeed something for everyone, from Hollywood A-listers to indie and foreign films, documentaries, and more and how one night at the Oriental Theater led this Cleveland product to put down roots in Milwaukee. Plus, we'll have the Fox 6-pack of questions with my buddy from Wake Up, Kim Murphy. But first, roll camera, or at least sound, with Jonathan Jackson. We are hanging out here in the offices of Milwaukee Film in a very cool new space, relatively new, about a year old here uh, in downtown Milwaukee, the Paps Brewery Complex, joined by Jonathan Jackson, Milwaukee Film CEO and Artistic Director. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, well thanks for coming to the office today. <laughs> I'm trying to make it easy for you, right? Yeah, it's uh, not like it's a busy time of year or anything yeah. for us. Well, fun fact, that was going to be my first question. We're <laughs> taping this about 10 days out from the start of the festival, but yep. by the time this actually uh, airs the episode, it'll be a few days into it. What is this time of year like for you guys? I imagine there's not a lot of sleep and a pretty hectic schedule as well. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's a lot going on. Thankfully, we have a very large team that we scale to mount the film festival every year. So we have a, a pretty significant seasonal staff. We'll have over 100 employees working on executing the film festival. And the things that right now are sort of the most intense or nerve-wracking are we're screening 350 films, and each one of those comes from a different place in the world. And so we have to ensure that all of that media gets here before the film festival, that we test it and ensure that it can be screened properly, and then we begin trafficking it to all of the different venues participating in the festival. But if you don't have the films, you don't have a festival. So <laughs> I didn't think about that, the logistics of actually Absolutely. getting the, the physical films to yeah, show. And it's, yeah. they, they all literally are different contracts, from different places in the world are coming from another film festival or the producer themselves and that is one of the most intense um, sort of uh, management 
uh, aspects of the film festival. We've done a couple of these with uh, the people who book us for Summerfest or yep. Pfizer Forum or something like that. What is it like to, to schedule, to arrange, to land all of these films coming mm -hmm. to Milwaukee for a film festival versus a, a music show or something? Well, it's kind of both because we both screen all of these films. We do a pretty rigorous programming process, including both traveling to film festivals throughout the world uh, and doing our own solicitation and screening of films, you know, viewer protected online, have this whole process of identifying the films we want, securing them through all of our relationships globally, and then bring them here. But in addition to that, we love bringing guests too. So there will be 100 plus filmmakers attending the film festival. So it's both the process of getting those films here, but then also trying to bring as many filmmakers, subjects of documentaries, which are always a hit when like you see a film for an hour and a half or so about an individual subject and then you can surprise the audience with having that subject that they just spent all this intimate time with uh, watching the movie. Those are really some of the best surprises of the yeah. film festival are the guests. And certainly with 350 films, which you said is the most you guys have ever had, there's a lot of variety in there, there's a lot of options, but what do you and the team look for in, in a film that is both worthwhile or worthy of coming to the Milwaukee Film Festival and then you know will be interesting and appealing mm -hmm. to the, the people who come out as well? So it's uh, there's so many different what we call programs in the festival. There's really 15 different programs or themes in the film festival. And they each sort of have their own criteria, their own individual selection criteria. So a program like Sound Vision, uh, that's a program I love. I really am interested in music, the history of music, music today. That is a program of 10 plus documentaries all centered on a music story mm -hmm. and so literally we look at every we try to look at every single music documentary made in the past year there's actually a lot there's like a hundred plus made annually and we try to pick the 10 best we pick a broad range we pick you know there's a film about a specific tavern that has become an iconic tavern launching point for uh, country music in the film festival to a documentary on the Apollo Theater and the iconic performances there. So it really can, can run the gamut in terms of the styles of individuals' films, but in each program we're looking for the you know, the best children's film for Rated K for Kids or for uh, our Worldviews program. Those are just international films. We try to get them from every continent, many countries, usually 30 different ones represented, 30 plus different ones represented in the festival. But it's really trying to screen the best movies of the year for Milwaukee. I think about this a little bit. Uh, in a former life, I was a sports reporter, so I'd tell my wife, you know, I don't want to be watching these games. I just have to watch these games. It's work, right? Do you have to explain that a little bit to your, your family and friends that, hey, I've got 20 movies I need to watch yeah. to get through all this? Well, and it's, it, it is that, you know, it's sometimes it's, it, I get, I love when people joke with me about what my job is, which, oh, you just get to watch movies. Well, we are running a large growing organization too and sometimes you know yeah it is hard work watching you know six individual movies in a day it kind of you know going to film festivals and and seeing six seven movies a day that 
is actually work because yeah. they're all not necessarily great. We do the hard work of sorting through and finding the films that we think Milwaukee's gonna wanna engage with. And as passionate as I am about cinema, there's nothing worse for me than seeing a movie I, I don't like or I don't think is sort of worthy of screening because I just get sad. <laughs> <laughs> you know the work that went into it too yep. before it to get to that it point. Is, it, is hard, it is hard to make a film. Yeah. It, it really takes a huge number of people, a lot of money, a lot of luck, and sometimes it just doesn't come together. But you know, I'm proud to say I think there's 350 of them that came together that will be screening at the film festival Certainly this year. Certainly worthwhile if they're playing here, that's for sure. I'll get into a little bit of your background, but you've been involved in the festival and running it since since the very beginning here in Milwaukee. And that's right. Involved in the Milwaukee film scene well before that, but. Uh, what is it, because I, I, I would imagine for some listeners, even if they've gone to some showings over the years, they maybe mm -hmm. don't have a sense of, of just really the scale and the impact that this festival does have and some of the acclaim it's gotten mm -hmm. nationwide as well. So you were telling me, again, 350 most films, yep. 80,000 people will see films over the 15 days of it. What has it been like to create something kind of organically, but also that's had such an impact here in Milwaukee over the years? Uh, it's, I mean, it's been thrilling. It's been a thrilling ride. Some years have been easier and some years have been harder than others. You know, we've been on a real journey the last two years because we acquired the Oriental Theater, uh, which was the sort of center, the primary venue of the film festival for several years. but. We really doubled the size of our business and now running a three-screen cinema year-round, mounting construction projects. We're spending over $6 million in the next um, four years in truly revitalizing that venue. And sort of each year we're tackling a different screen, we'll be launching a brand new uh, West House, which is the first house when you walk into the theater that'll be opened up um, with new seats restored the plaster ceiling that had fallen apart you know top-notch technical equipment and it's just sort of you know when we first started we were a film festival <laughs> and we showed and existed for basically 11 days well we expanded the film festival to 15 days we now run a three-screen cinema that we're restoring um, but we also, we do a ton of education work for youth as well, in addition to growing the, the filmmaking community. This year, nearly 10,000 children in Milwaukee will participate in one of our education programs, which is something we're really thrilled and proud about with uh, the expanded offerings we have with the Milwaukee Film. That's fantastic. I was going to ask you, and I'll get to some of the questions about the business of running a theater mm -hmm. now, but first and foremost, I know that theater is very near and dear to your heart. I've, I've heard a great story about uh, how you first discovered it and how it became <laughs> a love of yours yeah. that maybe if you brought it to a Hollywood studio, it would sound too good to be true, but your very first yep. night here in, in Milwaukee, is that I, the case? I moved to Milwaukee in 1998. I moved here to study film production at UW um, uh, when I moved here, the first day I was here was the first day I stepped foot in the state of Wisconsin and I wanted to go see a movie. And uh, Darren Aronofsky's new film, Pi, he went on later to direct films like Black Swan and, and others, but that was his uh, uh, one of his early films. And I just went to go see it at a theater called the Oriental Theater and I had never stepped foot inside of a cinema palace like the Oriental Theater before. I saw the movie, immediately decided I need to work there, and so within a couple of weeks, uh, was actually working in the concession stand, 
cleaning the theater after the Rocky Horror Picture Show on Saturday <laughs> late late <laughs> night. Stories there, right? <laughs> um, but I just became so passionate about that theater, the type of films that were screening there, um, and sort of not just making films, but understanding the business from the perspective of how you get people to see great, interesting, different content that they might not otherwise see. And just the Oriental Theater and the story of that relationship to my life and this organization, you know, without that thousand seat screen in the main house, the Milwaukee Film Festival doesn't become what it is today because being able to fill that house and provide that sort of special moment for Milwaukee, for the filmmakers who are participating in the festival, it just, it doesn't happen many other places. And people really do come out and people are super passionate about Milwaukee film. Um, you know, key aspect to our growth has been our membership program. Uh, we have nearly 6,000 individual members. Those wow. are people who uh, pay an, you know, an annual fee to the nonprofit Milwaukee Film uh, to support us. And that base of support is, is really phenomenal. It's one of the largest in the country, and it's growing at a very fast rate, uh, more than 30% year over year now. And a lot of that is, is, is now due to running the Oriental Theater every day. For people who have never been inside, it has this kind of transportative feel to it. Mm -hmm. It's very ornately decorated, everything like that. What is kind of the aura to that theater, and what is it like experiencing a film there versus somewhere else? Well, I, 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 to me, cinema is magic. Everything that goes into making a film, you know, you don't think about that realizing that when you're watching a movie and to me the theater itself is sort of a magical place it's not really any particular specific influence it's really a hodgepodge of of different elements from um, different cultures or ideas and it just sort of has this sort of transported feel much like you have when you watch cinema itself. Uh, particularly in the main house, um, the glowing statues on the wall, the ornate decorative ceiling, the special curtains, uh, particularly when you do like things like live music accompaniment or have an organ performing. It's just, it's a special setting and to me that is very similar to actually what the early days of movie going were like when it was an experience to go to a film. You didn't just go to see a film, you bought into the whole experience and there'd be a vaudeville act or there'd be a newsreel, there would be different performances, there were often multiple films, but it was an experiential element beyond just the film itself, which is you know what we're striving to bring to the Oriental Theater. Um, year-round and, and long-term and certainly with the, the annual film festival. Well, if you want to bring back some newsreel, I have a great station to recommend here in town <laughs> if you're interested. No. Got that, got that. <laughs> Besides, I'm sure it mostly ties into to the film festival, but why did you guys want to take over ownership of the theater and, mm. and how has that process gone? What are mm. some of the big steps still going forward? Like you said, some of the construction, but why was that an important, I would imagine, growth for the organization to take that on? Well, it, it, it really, it ties back to the film festival and our ability to have control over the primary venue for the film festival to utilize all the screens, all three at the theater, was central to why we secured it. It really was about securing the film festival 
which was on a bit of shaky ground because we didn't have an, uh, a great relationship with the, the previous tenant in terms of not having a long-term contract on the venue, um, only signing our contract annually a few months before the film festival. It was kind of a nightmare to plan such a large event. And by securing an equivalent ownership stake, which is we have a 39-year lease on the, build, on, on the Oriental Theater, which is actually part of a larger building. Okay. But the reason we acquired it was to secure it as the venue for the film festival. But then also economically, um, there's a large growing sort of industry of nonprofit independent theaters around the country um, that are driven by membership and sponsorship and are, are presenting sort of not just cinema, but building community through the screening of cinema. And we found that the financials for those nonprofits are actually much healthier than film festivals, which are much more driven by fundraising and sponsorship than they are by ticket sales. And so it's actually a, a bit healthier business model. And so now not only securing the footprint and home for the film festival, we actually have the ability to uh, make more earned revenue through ticket sales and also expand our mission to you know, executing it 365 days a year as opposed to um, just the 15 days of the film festival. One of the things that's so great about this festival and film festivals in general is the chance to see and be exposed to different art, different movies from around the world, from different backgrounds, different cultures that most likely are not going to make it into the big screens mm -hmm. at a Marcus or an AMC or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I've certainly experienced that from the movies I've gone. I haven't known anything <laughs> what they're about until you walk in. Why Why is it important, if, if people are listening, if they're more of the blockbuster type mm -hmm. movie, why is it important, what is there to be gained of, from seeing independent film, from mm -hmm. seeing foreign film? Well, uh, for me it's a couple of things. One is, at the end of the day, it's about good movies. Um, and we are at the height of filmmaking time in its history today. There are more movies being made around the globe than ever before in our history. And part of that is because technology is much more accessible and affordable. And at the end of the day, it's all about good movies. And because of the challenges of releasing movies and how much money it takes to market a film and to get the attention of consumers, the film festival itself builds all the hype and the buzz and people buy into that. And like you said, you see movies that you would never otherwise see and you just take a chance on it because we programmed in the film festival. We hope there's an assumption that it's good or worth your time. And you're gonna see a good movie. You're gonna see it from somebody that it, it did not necessarily make it just to make a dollar. They made it because they had a story to tell, whether it's a fiction or a documentary film. You know, you experience new cultures. You learn about different stories about people, individuals, or communities and cultures that, you know, you might never have a chance to experience in your life. Sometimes I like to say going to several movies in the film festival is like a, uh, it's like from the comfort of your cinema seat, you get to travel the world. And what a cool way to sort of expand your worldview or just 
you know, be entertained by different movies than you think you might uh, typically watch. I really believe in the film festival, and we strive for this, there are literally movies for everyone. There's hilarious comedies, there's late night genre films, there's, uh, you know, some documentaries that will challenge or will learn or take a different aspect of history and spin it. Um, but it's, it's really an adventure to see all the different movies, and I, I promise you, if you try, you're going to find something you'll enjoy in the film festival. I'm sure this is a bit like picking your favorite child, except you have 350 of them instead, but <laughs> any, uh, any particular ones that you think uh, will really pop this year you're excited to, to see or hear the reaction from? Uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's always several uh, that I'm excited about. I, there's a, a documentary that is one of my favorite movies of the year that I've been uh, just waiting all year long to show. Uh, saw it at the Sundance Film Festival. It's called Cold Case Hammerschuld. And it's sort of the unearthing of a story of what may be uh, the murder of the a former head of the UN uh, in the 60s in Africa. Wow. And it's a really sort of interesting documentary investigation going on today to try to uncover the history of that. And it's by a Danish filmmaker called Mads Brugger, who's kind of a provocative uh, filmmaker. He very much is a character in the documentary investigating the story. And for me, it's funny, it's dark, it has a lot to say about truth or being able to understand truth uh, in documentary, uh, which is something I'm really passionate about because there's always a point of view in film or in filmmaking. Um, long gone are the days when people just took what they understood in documentaries as truth. Um, on a totally different end of the spectrum, would spotlight a movie called The Keeper. Um, this is a fiction film, uh, primarily in uh, English. It is a German-made film, but it's about the true story of a soccer star who was, um, after World War II, uh, was a German uh, soccer player who started playing for Manchester United. And in some ways, he helped um, um, sort of both sides understand each other a little hmm. better and for the countries and communities to heal a bit after how everything was torn apart in World War II. And it's just such a great story. It's one of those stories that you know you never heard of before. Yeah. Uh, the soccer star's name is Bert Troutman uh, and uh, he helped lead Manchester City to a, to a great title. And it's sort of it's the way movies used to be made. I feel like it's like a great classic Hollywood storyline. There's a love interest. There's It's a movie that gives you chills multiple times while you're watching it. And that's a movie that no one would be able to see without the yeah. film festival. You know, again, just for some reason on a, on a sports theme, there's a really fun documentary for anyone interested in golf. Uh, it's called Loopers, and it's about the history of caddies and some of the more infamous caddies and their relationship to their uh, the, their golfer and some of it are the most iconic golfers hmm. in, in golf history. But there's this trend in documentaries to sort of look at the star behind the star 
Uh, there was a movie called 20 Feet from Stardom, one of the absolute favorite films of our audience that we've ever screened about backup singers. This is kind of similar to that because this is about caddies. Yeah. Um, and then I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but the closing night movie I am so excited about. I have not been able to see it in advance of the film festival. I can't wait to see it on closing night. And it's called The Apollo. It's part of our Black Lens program, which spotlights the work of African-American filmmakers. And for me, you know, I think we have a special theater in Milwaukee in the Oriental Theater. Well, here's a documentary about uh, a very special theater that has a huge place in our culture, The Apollo. And it looks at the building, it looks at the community built around it, and some of just the iconic performances that have happened there. Incredible footage, really crowd-pleasing, rousing film, but can't wait for that on closing night of Neat. the film festival. Those are a couple great options right there. I'd be curious, uh, you mentioned some of the education work that you guys do mm -hmm. as well, and, and kind of how this festival has helped cement itself in Milwaukee. How is Milwaukee viewed, or how would you view Milwaukee as a place to make film? Not necessarily go view at a wonderful festival, but what is the actual industry like for people trying to come up and, and make their own movies? Well, it's, it, to me, it's a great community to make films in as an independent filmmaker. Uh, it's still growing, but there are more films being made today in Milwaukee than certainly at any time in my history here. We've had a run of some really successful feature films that have been made recently a fiction film called Give Me Liberty, which has been released uh, across the US and will ultimately get released in about 80% um, of territories internationally. This was an entirely locally made movie, a sort of a Russian immigrant story in Milwaukee, and it's gonna be the most successful fiction film to, to ever be made by locals. And what I like to say sometimes is Milwaukee is a really affordable community to live in. Uh, you're kind of special if you're a filmmaker here, whereas if you're in Los Angeles or New York, you know, there's filmmakers on every street corner. It's something, you know, a little more unique and special. And people can make a living through creating commercials or through using their, their, their skills in different ways while also trying to make a career as a filmmaker. There's several great local universities teaching film production right now. Um, UWM, Marquette, Myad, and it's. I think we're going to continue to see this growth as uh, there's such a demand for, for visual storytelling. You want to finish with some fun stuff? Sure. Whether or not people uh, have heard of these people or not, because I imagine your, uh, your library is far more uh, advanced and expansive than ours, but favorite actors, favorite movies, favorite directors that you've uh, enjoyed over the year. It doesn't have to be the, the independent route either, if it's okay. something that always pops out to you. Uh, well, I, I'm, uh, I love all kinds of films. Um, I, I really do. And, you know, today uh, of... Um, different filmmakers working. Alfonso Cuaron is an absolute favorite of mine. His uh, arguably biggest film was Gravity. Uh, I adore his movie Ch Children of Men um, and uh, his first film Itumama Tambien. Um, but he's an absolute favorite filmmaker of mine and, and we'll see anything he, he has made. Uh, in terms of actors, you know, just as much as um, 
anyone. I'm a big fan of, well, we said Clive Owen, who is in uh, Children of Men. He's, to me, a great, great actor working today. Daniel Craig uh, is another great actor. I do enjoy most of the new Bond films <laughs> quite a bit. Um, I, I, I was a big Bond fan growing yeah. up, including reading most of the books, and he's the closest to the Ian Fleming character, in my opinion. I have so not I've, read any of the books. I've That's cool them. to They're hear. Actually That's very interesting. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even a film like, in terms of like a big recent Hollywood film, I thought as far as an action film, Mission Impo- the last Mission Impossible yeah. movie was just absolutely outrageous. And I have no idea how Tom Cruise is doing what he is doing at his <laughs> age. If, if you if you want to marvel at that, there's there's something like we think of Wilford Brimley as uh, you know an older actor and the movie Cocoon. I think Tom Cruise is older right now than Wilford Brimley was in the filming of Cocoon, which wow. is just like, what is? <laughs> has he found some secret anti-aging uh, <laughs> he might uh, device? Have, but. but it's uh, that was one of my favorite movies of last year too because i i enjoy the marvel movies like anybody grew up reading Mm -hmm. comic books things like that but you watch the action scenes and you can tell Mm -hmm. it's mostly cgi and green screen and with mission impossible the stunts they're able to actually physically pull off is just amazing yeah and a testament to filmmaking because they're actually doing so much of that stuff and and what's funny too is you'll you'll see much more um of this now internationally as the technology uh, increases. We have a great gangster flick uh, from uh, Hong Kong that's in the film festival this year called Ashes Purest White. Um, great film from uh, China. Um, we have a film called The Quake, which is uh, a Scandinavian film about a disastrous earthquake, um, hence the title Quake. But these are movies that you know, are in the film festival this year, but are also like action thrillers of sorts. And you'll see these all, you know, being made all around the world today. And and I just love that diversity that you can see at a film festival. Are there any favorite stories over the years, given that this is now the 11th year of of maybe movies that people were able to see here that either directors or stars kind of went on to even more recognizable or mainstream roles that come to mind? Uh, absolutely. Um, have to think for a second. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that just um, came off the top of my head, um, so I probably didn't give you a great lead up for that one. But I know that um, you know one one last so a favorite thing of mine in the film festival every year is a movie that we don't announce. Uh, the title to uh, until it actually screens. And this is a a screening only available to our members. We have about 2,000 people attend it in the film festival. There's a screening at 4 p.m. and at 7.30. And literally, 1,000 people come to see it at the main house of the Oriental Theater. They have no idea what they're seeing. And it's one of my favorite things to program as well because, you know, if you give something uh, give people a, a really adventurous film or curveball, it would have been something that they might not otherwise have seen. But last year we did the documentary Free Solo oh, as wow. our super secret screening. And so 2,000 people on that Wednesday during the film festival last year unwittingly went to go see one of the most like uh, tense movies you'll ever see in your life because you feel like you are there with 
uh, Alex Hanald climbing, you know, this incredible mountain with no rope or no attachments, and you see that feat. And so sort of an unheard of movie at the time, that went on to ultimately win the Oscar for Best Documentary, and our screening at the film festival was one of its first screenings. Wow. Well, that's about as good a plug as we can give to become a member of Milwaukee <laughs> Film. You never know what you'll see, and it, no matter what, as you said, there'll be something for everyone at this year's film festival. Thank you so much for all the time. Absolutely. It was a thrill, and I hope to see you at the movies. Sounds great. It is time now for the Fox 6 pack of questions, a chance to get to know the people that you see and hear on Fox 6 every day, hopefully a little bit better. And I'm very happy to be joined by my uh, partner in crime from the Wake Up Desk, Kim Murphy. Thank you very much. First time, well, second time being a part of a podcast. Wow. Yeah. All right. So we're breaking, this almost breaking different. some ground here. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have to see you. We just get to hang out. And, Maybe it and works out better that way. Here. Yeah. <laughs> no uh, makeup necessary for this. Uh, we'll start out with this, Kim. Besides the job, I know you're from here originally, but what drew you to Milwaukee and to the area when you did work your career back here to Fox 6? You know, it really is just being a Milwaukee native. I grew up watching Fox 6 back in the day. Um, I remember um, watching Joanne Williams and people, you know, just in awe of the people on Fox 6. And I always wanted to be a part of this station. Hmm. Was it odd for you coming back here and then it working very with those odd. people? Yeah. In fact, I made my parents swear, I, though they did watch anyway, not to watch me because I didn't feel like I quite had my stuff together yet. So like for the first <laughs> month, I'm like, promise you won't tell anybody that I'm here and you won't watch me. And of course... They watched yeah, it. They're good parents. Yeah, they have to, they right? Did. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of uh, work here at Fox 6 or uh, when you're hanging out with your family or at home, where are we most likely to find you around town? Shopping. Nice. Yeah. What are your favorites or all, where do you go? All the time. Um, people uh, say, oh, I just saw you. I just like, um, I love the third ward. It's just, it's fun for people watching. It's fun for just hanging out, you Great know, getting a bite to eat. Yeah. Um, you just entertaining. So yeah. I just, even if I don't have anything specifically that I'm looking for, I'll just go there. I'm sure you end up finding something. I, and then, then I too, do right? find something. Yes. <laughs> well, maybe it will be the third ward. Maybe it's somewhere else. But where and what was the last great meal you had around the area? Okay. Um, this is weird, but a cheese, a grilled cheese sandwich and onion rings from Cops. All right. That's I great. Haven't had <laughs> Cops like in a like it was the. Mm, I can say that she's not yes. lying because she and Angelica talk about the flavor of the day all, all the time. time. Yes, <laughs> and the onion the rings are just so good, and it was just, I just felt like a little treat to me. Hey, it's a classic. Yes. There's a reason it's so popular. Uh-huh. All right, we are casting the movie of uh, the Kim Murphy story. Yes. You get to cast it. Who plays the title character in this film? Ew. <laughs> I feel like this question always trips people I up know. the most. It's out like of all you, of them. you know, you don't want to sound too vain. Like I don't want to <laughs> say Beyonce because they're like, yeah, and whose dreams? Um, who would play me? Huh? I.e. Carrie mm, Washington. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That I'll would go be with a, that. Yeah. Be a solid that one. That would be solid. Yeah. Got the power. The got power. the energy behind the performance I as well. I want to play someone though. Oh. People always say that I remind them of Michelle Obama. 
Ooh, there so we I'd go. like to be Michelle Obama. There we go. Yeah. You could talk to Lifetime. Maybe I could we say, can start You know, if that. they're listening and they're casting, <laughs> um, I can work it in my schedule. Uh, besides your many talents and skills that you display on the desk from yes. your operatic singing mm-hmm. and dance moves and other things, what uh, is a talent or skill that we should know about that you don't get to show off all the time? I have an incredible sense of smell. Mm. Again, I can attest to yeah, this. I can walk. I'm like, I smell starch. It's potatoes. No, it's rice. Like I like down to the spices. To the that spices, we use in I will. Things, and no uh, one smells. I'm, I just. Yeah. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> but yeah, I can. Smell. I'm trying to think what like profession. That I would know be. it's like a hound dog or hound something dog. like that. But well, I don't that know. and I also have crime sense. Mm, like yes. I always saw the crime. Like I'm telling you, this yeah. is what happened. And then months later, we right. do the update, and she's like, "I I'm told like, you, I told yeah. you, yeah. Yeah. I watched 2020. Should have come to me first. Should have come to me first. <laughs> All right, final question for you: What is the most random job you've ever had outside of uh, TV? Freshman year in college, GW Madison, I worked for food services, <laughs> and that's when I knew, I already knew before I started that I was going to hate it, and I did. Uh, another reason to study, um, Pops was the name of the the cafeteria, yeah. and everyone had to have a Pops scrub shift, and that was basically after the students like were done with their food, you, they'd scrub put their tray through the window and I was like on the other side of the window and there was like an assembly line. So someone would have to grab off the trash and then someone would have to empty the plate and then someone would have to like, and at the very end was the big dishwasher that you'd have to load the trays in. It was no place on pop scrub line was like good. You didn't want to be in the beginning of the line because people like mix up their food and I that feel was like gross. that's a horrible job for someone with a very job. good sense of exactly. smell, let alone. It was horrible. Um, and then touching um yeah so that was the worst job i think i've ever had well there you go thankfully yeah. it's in the past yeah on to bigger and better on things bitter, here at fox things. six yeah. including your second ever podcast yeah thank, thank you, you. that was awesome That is a wrap on another episode of Definitely Milwaukee. Thank you once again to Jonathan Jackson of Milwaukee Film and Kim Murphy for hanging out with us on this episode. And a big thank you to Leanne Watson, who you don't hear from but does all the work behind the scenes to put this together and make Definitely Milwaukee happen. If you want more of this podcast or our other podcast from Fox 6, Open Record, where the investigators dive into the stories behind the stories that they do, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast service. Also, it helps a lot if you leave a rating and a review and a reminder that you can download any new episode anytime at fox6now.com. 